If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, if you would, please turn to Luke chapter 8. I'll be reading from verses 40 through 56. This is Luke 8, verses 40 through 56, and it's right there. Um, This is the word of God. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling down at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a, who had, had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians... She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So far, the reading of the word of God. The grass withers, The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you will be with us as uh, we hear your word, as we uh, consider what you have for us today. Uh, We ask that you will apply your word to our hearts and that you will grow in us a greater love for you and for those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who have ever been to the emergency room, you might be familiar with the idea of the triage nurse. Uh, This is the nurse that helps sort out and determine the urgency of uh, the needs of the people coming in and also helps to match up the needs and the urgency with resources. And so for this passage today, some of you might be thinking, 
they needed a triage nurse here. Um, because Jairus comes with his daughter, who is dying. And for some reason, Jesus stops in this crowd to have this fairly lengthy conversation with a woman who, though she had a very serious uh, condition that caused much pain and shame, it was chronic and fairly stable. Um, but throughout this passage, we will see um, that Jesus knew what he was doing. If we look back earlier uh, to the beginning of chapter 8 in Luke, we hear this. He, Jesus, went through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And um, we see this directly in a few of the um, stories right before this passage. So two stories back, Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. There's this huge storm. The disciples are concerned. They wake him up because they are so concerned. And he calms the storm. And they have this question. Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. They get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he is met by a man who is demon-possessed. He has a legion of demons, many demons who is possessing this man. He is healed. And this man, from whom the demons had gone, begged that he might be with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. This man who had just recently been healed, had these demons uh, cast out from him. He went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. That's what we read in verse 39. So the disciples are wondering, who is this that commands the wind and the water? The demon-possessed man, when told to say how much God has done for you, he says, this is what Jesus has done for me. So through both of these passages, we are led to believe that Jesus is God. And so then we come to today's passage. And in today's passage, uh, we see people who have come to Jesus with urgent requests, requests of life and death. And from this passage, we hear, and Jesus reveals to us who he is, and what type of king he is. Jesus addresses our fears as well as those of the people in this passage, our shame, our suffering, and reveals through his love to us, through his compassion, through his power, and through his resolution to bring healing. So as we begin here in verse 40, Jesus has returned back from the, to the... Uh, He's returned back from the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where he had just healed uh, this man who'd been possessed by demons. And this was the area of the Sea of Galilee where he had already spent much of his time of ministry. People have already heard reports of him, and so they're waiting for him to come back. Uh, just like people who wait at airports for uh, championship-winning teams— 
People are waiting for Jesus when he comes back to this side of the Sea of Galilee. They had heard, they had seen him perform miracles before. And so they're they're waiting for him to see what he's going to do now. And then we hear that this man named Jairus, he's, he's a leader of the synagogue. He's a prominent man. And he comes and he falls down before Jesus. And he brings this urgent request. Jesus, please come to my house and save my daughter, my only child, my 12-year-old little girl. And Jesus shows compassion. He's like, I will go with you. He, he begins the journey going with Jairus um, to visit his daughter so that he can heal this little girl. But then we hear that the crowd is pressed in on him. Um, this, th- think of rush hour traffic. Um, think of those, um, those festivals that are probably located in areas that are a little bit too small and more people came than were expected. And so you're trying to work your way from one booth to another booth and you accidentally bump into one person, you bump into another person, but it's very slow going from one end of the, the crowd to the other. So think, think of a crowd like this. So the crowd was thick. And you can almost feel Jairus' anxiety begin to build. This is taking way too long to get from where he met Jesus back to his house. But I want you to know that Jesus being stuck inside this crowd is not an accident. Um, Jesus is here in this crowd on purpose. If you, if you remember back to chapter 4 in the, the book of Luke, Jesus was in his hometown. He was in Nazareth. And he said some things in the synagogue that people didn't like. He was basically saying, these prophecies that you read in the book of Isaiah, they're about me. I've come to fulfill them. The people in the synagogue didn't like it. And they're getting ready to bring him to the height of the town to oversee the cliff to push him over because they think he's speaking blasphemy. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And Jesus passed through their midst. If Jesus had wanted to, he could have passed through this crowd. The crowd would have opened for him, and he could have gotten to Jairus' house rather quickly. But he is stuck in this crowd on purpose. And by being in this crowd, Jesus shows his love through his compassion. And so while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, suddenly we are introduced to this woman. And this woman has been suffering for 12 years. Coincidentally, the same number of years that this woman has been suffering is the same number of years that Jairus' daughter has been alive. So she has been suffering a long time. And she's been suffering terribly because she has had this discharge of blood, this flow of blood that has been continuing for 12 years, which has separated her from her community. Because of this flow of blood, and according to Levitical law that we see in things like Leviticus 15, she is ceremonially unclean. 
She's separated from her community. She cannot participate in the normal activities of her community life, religiously, socially. Also, um, because of laws in Leviticus 20, um, if she wasn't already married when this condition began, she would have also been shut out from being married because nobody would want to marry a woman who is continually ceremonially unclean, where her husband would never be able to touch her. So this woman is separated and um, shut out from community life, social life, from institutions of family. And so she has no one to advocate for her like Jairus' daughter did. Jairus was able to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please come. Come to my home. Heal my daughter, please. This woman didn't have that. And even though she was uh, shut out and separated in so many ways, she had been seeking healing. We see that she had spent all of her living. This woman had spent all of her money seeking healing, and she has, she has not been able to be healed by anyone. And even though none of her physicians were able to heal her, she has this glimmer of hope. She's been in town before. She's heard of the reports of Jesus. She has heard them. She may have even seen some of the things that Jesus has done before. And so she, she wants to come up. And she has this hope that if I touch Jesus, even the edge of his robe, maybe even like the tassel on his robe, maybe I can be healed. Maybe I can be healed. And so she's not trying to bring attention to herself. She's not trying to stop Jesus on his way. She just wants to come up from behind and just reach out, touch, with the hope that Jesus would heal her. And her hope is not in vain. She comes up, she reaches, she touches, and immediately the discharge of blood, the flow of blood, ceases. It stops. And I want you to, I don't want you to think that this woman came up and stole power from Jesus for this healing like she was trying to pick his pocket or something. Jesus was in this crowd intentionally. Jesus' power did not go out unintentionally. Jesus knew that this woman would be here. Jesus knew that this woman needed healing and so that he was here. And so this woman is healed by his power going out. This woman had faith that Jesus could heal her. And through that connection of faith, Jesus sends power out and heals this woman. If he had wanted to, Jesus could have just spoken when he arrived back in town. He said, there is a woman here who needs healing. I send forth my power and she's healed. He could have done that. If you remember back in Luke uh, chapter 7 with the centurion, the centurion doesn't even come to Jesus. He sends servants. He's like, you're not, I'm not worthy to have you come underneath my roof. 
You don't actually have to come. You just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And that's what happened. That could have been what happened here. But Jesus' love and compassion and his power is shown through him healing in this public manner. The power goes out of Jesus to heal this woman, and Jesus stops, and he asks, who was it that touched me? All the other people around were like, no, it wasn't me, no, it wasn't me. Even if they may have bumped into Jesus, no, 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 I'm sorry. Respected teacher, was not me. I'm, I'm sorry. And it gets to the point where Peter is also basically saying, Jesus, this crowd is pressing in on you. You're surrounded. People are bumping in everybody. It's okay. But Jesus is showing patience. Jesus is showing his res- resolution. He is showing his love and his power in healing this woman, by even by asking this question. And so he asks again, He said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Jesus knows that he has acted powerfully. He knows that this woman is healed. And even though this woman tried to come up secretly, just touch the edge of the garment, to be hidden, and even though even now she's she's kept quiet so far, hidden in shame because of this disease, the woman recognizes that she isn't hidden. And so I think it's important for us to to get in our minds that she realizes that she has been found. She wasn't hidden. She realizes that she's been found. So the idea that somebody was going to look for her. This woman who had for so long been shunned and cast aside and separated Someone was looking for her. In recognizing that Jesus knows that he healed her and that he even knows who she is, she comes forward in great fear. She's trembling. She comes down and um, falls before him with fear. She's trembling. Was she worried about how Jesus would respond, this great teacher being touched by a woman who is unclean? Is she worried about how the town might respond? This woman who is unclean dares touch this great teacher in our town, bringing shame upon all of us. Is she afraid because though she has spent all of her money, she's seen so many physicians, and she's never been healed, and then all of a sudden she touches the edge of Jesus' garment, And great power goes forth and she's healed? Is this the reason why she's trembling? Because she has experienced powerfully God's power for her? But how long has it been since Jairus came and was also at Jesus' feet, begging him, imploring him, come, come to my house, save my only child, my dear daughter, And so the tension of Jairus coming, my daughter is dying, and now Jesus has stopped to ask a question. Who is this that has touched me? 
But now in front of the crowd, this woman, in the presence of all, says why she had touched him. So in front of all the people in town, she's like, the reason I touched Jesus is because I had this flow of blood for 12 years, because I was separated, because I was ceremonially unclean, and I needed healing. I desperately needed healing. And so this situation that was painful and embarrassing and separating, she tells in front of the whole, in front of the whole town. And so this wasn't a huge town. There may even be a... Um, I don't know how many of you have ever lived in a small town or around small towns. Once you tell one or two people in a small town, it's very easy for the whole small town to know. Um, but she publicly says this so that if anybody has wondered why she has been not participating in religious life, they now know from her own mouth. But she also declares not just the reason why she touched Jesus' garment, but that she was immediately healed. Um, For this woman to publicly declare this, in the midst of her fear, it took courage. But there's also this aspect, by publicly declaring that she had been healed, it opens the door for her to be able to re-enter life. Because after, after this flow of blood stops, in seven days she can go be ceremonially clean and she can re-enter the community. And if she had done this secretly and Jesus had just let this go, she may have never been able to re-enter. And so Jesus is even showing his compassion and love by asking her and seeking her and saying, Who touched me? Jesus heard her declaration of her disease and her healing, even as the crowd did. And in doing so, he deals with her shame. He deals with her fear. He deals with her suffering. Jesus healed her, ceasing the flow of blood. He provided for her cleansing. And he even deals with the shame. Um... In verse 48, he says to her, Daughter, where Jairus' daughter had a father to advocate for her, to seek healing for her, Jesus shows this tender and kind, gives this tender and kind of address to this woman. He says, Daughter. He says, Your faith has made you well. He commends her. He, he says, look, look, town, her faith has made her well. And then he blesses her, says, go in peace. But sadly, as Jesus is saying these things, a messenger comes from Jairus' home, speaking to Jairus, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. What's what's Jairus feeling? What's he thinking? But Jesus says, he hears this message to Jairus and he says, 
Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. How's Jairus respond to this? Is he, is he upset? Why did we take so long to get home? My daughter's dead now. Is he thinking um, that he had just seen a woman who had been sick for 12 years, who had been healed? And so maybe there's a possibility that Jesus can even raise his daughter from the dead? So Jesus says to Jairus, do not fear, only believe, and your daughter will be made well. And he continues, he shows his resolution, he continues to show his compassion to Jairus and his daughter, and they continue on to Jairus' home. And the crowd has followed him. And at this point, um, Jesus is saying, we need to limit who comes into this home. Peter, John, James, Jairus, and Jairus' wife. Come in with me. They go in. And they have to go past people who are already mourning. Jairus being a prominent man in the synagogue, people would know that his daughter was not well. There would even be professional mourners. Once they heard that his daughter was ill and as she began to um, descend in illness unto death, professional mourners would have been coming by, getting ready to do their job, earn a living. And so family, friends, professional mourners are here at the home. They're, They're mourning. But Jesus tells them, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but but sleeping. And that's when the reality of what these mourners know is, comes into conflict with the, with the promise that Jesus is bringing. The mourners know that she is dead. And it says so. It said, they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. These people knew when somebody was dead. It wasn't like they were mistaken. They knew that this little girl was dead And it shows some of their insincerity, too, in just coming to demonstrate mourning without actually mourning with this family. And so they mock Jesus. This is not the last time that Jesus will be mocked. But Jesus continues on his resolution, his his resoluteness to continue on, to show compassion, to show his power continues on. And so he goes in. He grabs the child by the hand and says, child, rise. A simple command. And as I was talking with uh, my wife about this passage in preparation, and she was like, and that's how you really see Jesus' power. Because when Jesus says, arise, it says that at once she got up. Um, Jesus reaches out, says, child, arise. Her spirit returns. She gets up. Jesus continues to show compassion by saying, this girl needs something to eat. Give her something to eat. And then her parents were amazed, just like the disciples were amazed with the calming of the storm. Who is this? Who is this that can heal a woman who's been sick for 12 years? Who is this that can raise our daughter from death? Who is this? Both the woman and Jairus came to Jesus. 
They're fearful and they're powerless to help in their situation. And they needed Jesus. They needed his help. They needed his love. They needed his compassion. They needed his power. They needed him to be resolute in bringing this to their situations. And Jesus does show his love through his power, through his compassion, through being resolute. The calming of the storm, the casting out of the demon, the healing of this woman who had been suffering for 12 years, the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus performed these miracles to show what type of king he is, to reveal who he is. And so in this passage, we clearly see that Jesus is powerful that he is compassionate, that he is resolute. In the next chapter, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus asks his disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Peter answers, the Christ of God, the promised one, the one who the people for generations have been waiting, the one who's to bring healing, to bring the kingdom of God. And right after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus tells his disciples, and I must go. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And so by Jesus dying on the cross and him laying down his life, we see that he continued to have compassion on us. He, comp- he continued uh, to show his resolve to save his people. And we, for in going to the cross, Jesus faced obstacles. He had to complete his mission. And Jesus knew what was coming. And in the face of fear, um, in the face of people saying, no, Jesus, don't do this. Jesus was resolute to face death, to face the wrath of God. Because we needed his compassion. We needed him to heal us. We needed him to bring us back to God. But he also showed his power. Because just as he said that he, would, he must die at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders, he also said that on the third day he would rise from the dead. And our hope is that we have a Savior who death cannot overcome, who cannot hold Christ in its hands. Jesus rose from the dead. And now knowing that Jesus has risen from the dead and that being connected with him through faith and that hope that we have that he does bring new and everlasting life, that we also have been given the power of this new life. That we also have been shown compassion so that we can also show compassion to others. And that by being given the Holy Spirit, we can also show being resolute in seeking the good of those around us. How can we use the power that God has shown toward us, that God has given to us? 
that God has entrusted to us. We can use that power to protect the weak and vulnerable, to advocate for those that do not have others to advocate for them. We can use our power to calm people's fears. The compassion that we can show can lead us into showing compassion for others, even those times in which we feel like it might be inconvenient, like it might take too much of our time. Jesus showed great compassion. And we can reflect Christ's resoluteness to do good to our neighbors, even the midst of setbacks, to be patient and to endure in the midst of sharing the gospel, to continue laboring in prayer for our neighbors, for our family members, for those who don't know Christ, uh, seeking others' welfare and working against evil and injustice wherever we recognize and wherever we see it, that we can be resolute and to push against that. Brothers and sisters, we have a great king who has shown his love for us and that he died for us and that he rose again. And he shows that he is powerful and compassionate and that he gives to us, he entrusts to us his power and his, um, his compassion for others so that we too can go out as his children seeking to show that to others as well. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks uh, that Christ is strong and powerful, that he has compassion on those who are weak and who are weary, and that he is not deterred, that he is resolute in bringing his love and his power uh, to his people. And so we ask that you will uh, strengthen us. We ask that you will encourage us that though we face trials and difficulties and pain um, throughout our lives and even this week, we ask that you will help us to look up to you in hope and in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.